All right, let us go to the Lord in prayer. God of mercy, you promised never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak our eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Our scripture verses today come from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Barriers, obstacles that prevent movement or access. Barriers can separate. Barriers can block. Barriers can obstruct progress. They are walls, physical, sometimes metaphorical walls that have been put in place. Sometimes consciously. Sometimes without us even realizing it. But what do barriers have to do with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Many of us have likely heard or read the scripture passage multiple times throughout our lives. The parable of the Good Samaritan is a common story found in children's Bibles as we teach our youngest how to be kind to others. There's a Good Samaritan law, sometimes called a Good Samaritan act, and it gives legal protection to those who offer reasonable assistance to someone who is injured or maybe in danger. It encourages bystanders to lend a helping hand, to get involved. There's even a Good Samaritan village not far from here for residents ages 55 and up. Even non-believers understand and have heard the term 
Good Samaritan. This parable takes place on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. The road is roughly 18 miles long, and it's not totally pictured the way that we see them sometimes in the children's books. It's actually a road that passes through some very, very dry and rocky terrain, and you can even see some of these areas are very, very narrow. The change in elevation is approximately 3,300 feet from Jerusalem to Jericho, as one goes down from a semi-dry area to a barren and parched land. This road was not a safe road. It was not some place to travel on your own. It was actually called the way of blood because of the blood that was often shed there by robbers. Even into the 19th century, people still paid safety money to the local sheiks prior to traveling on it. So what on earth is this traveler doing on this road? Some might even think that the traveler deserved to get robbed. I mean, everyone knew that this was a dangerous road and you don't go it alone, so what was he thinking? Then we have the priest and the Levite and of course the Samaritan, but we'll get to them in a minute. Let's back up just a bit. How did we get to this parable? Why is Jesus sharing this story with us? It starts with a question. The question comes from a lawyer who asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asks the lawyer, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And the lawyer replies with, you, lo you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Hey, great answer. Even Jesus says this is the correct answer. He tells the lawyer, do this, and you will live. But instead of being satisfied with that, the lawyer then asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And thus begins one of the most well-known parables in the New Testament. Notice, Jesus didn't say to the lawyer, well, what do you think? Jesus asked him what the law said. This man would have been well-versed in the law, and Jesus knew that, not to mention the fact that his reply is something that the devout Jewish people repeated twice a day. It comes directly from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then it added on Leviticus 19.18, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love the Lord, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. All is mentioned several times in Deuteronomy, and this means a complete devotion to God, giving everything to God. But now when looking at Leviticus, this is interesting because the neighbor referred to here is actually fellow Jews. This isn't talking about everybody. This is telling Jews, be good to the Jews that are around you. So in this parable, Jesus takes that neighborhood and expands it to everyone, including the Gentiles, including even the Samaritans. When Jesus says, do this and you will live, it sounds simple. All I need to do is love God and love my neighbor. But is anything ever really that simple? 
first, let's look at the barriers for the characters in our story. I thought this was a really cute cartoon. The priest and the Levite likely had similar barriers that prevented them from helping the traveler. Perhaps they were busy or concerned about becoming unclean if they touched an ill or maybe even deceased person. But if you were listening carefully, they were going down the road, away from Jerusalem. So their duties were likely finished at this point. Hmm, interesting. Maybe there was fear associated with this. We know it's a dangerous road. We know that people don't usually go this road alone. What if the traveler was just pretending to be injured? What if the robbers were nearby using the traveler as bait? Besides, we already said this traveler put him here in the first, he, he put himself in this position in the first place. He shouldn't have known better not to travel alone on this dangerous road. But by not helping the traveler, these individuals were not wholly loving God either. The Samaritan would have had barriers as well. Samaritans and Jews did not get along. To help a Jew might ostracize that Samaritan from his people. Plus, the Samaritan was already traveling outside the borders of Samaria where he should be. So why was he even there? But this Samaritan broke through the barriers to help the traveler. He showed kindness, compassion, and ultimately mercy. So what about us? Do we have barriers that prevent us from wholly loving our God and our neighbor? Going back to the lawyer's answer, we are to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our mind. Deuteronomy doesn't have the word mind in it, but Luke adds it in because the Greek words for heart and mind translate the full spectrum of the meaning of the Hebrew word for heart. To love the Lord with all your heart means loving God in an emotional way, even when times are rough. To love with all your soul, now that's more intimate. This has to do with our relationship with God. No one can love us like God can, and we should love no one like we love our God. To love with all our strength is where we put our love into action. This is where we use all of our resources, our talents, our abilities to step out of our comfort zone and do the tough stuff. To love with all our mind is to fill ourselves with God's thoughts instead of our own. To understand things as God would want us to. To lean not on our own understanding. While we might not intentionally be setting up barriers loving God in these ways. Barriers do happen. Time, work, family, ourselves, all these things can get in the way of us fully loving and understanding God. Remember when we talked about trust last month? That is a huge barrier. To wholly love God, we have to trust God. Sometimes others put up barriers that prevent us from wholly loving and understanding God. As we celebrate Reformation Sunday today, I think about all the barriers that were broken down so that we could worship and know our living Lord the way we do today. During the time of Luther, the church leaders had built barriers 
that prevented the people from experiencing the freeing power of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The worship services were in Latin, not a language that was really common. It made it difficult for people to understand what was being said. Bibles were not yet available in common languages. Education in the faith was lacking. People were paying indulgences to reduce the punishment for sins suffered in purgatory, which led Luther to posting his 95 theses. That was a start of change. A change that brings us back to the basics, back to solid biblical teaching. Ecclesia reformata, semper reformanda. The church reformed, always reforming. Now, I want to be clear here. This is not referring to changing what the Bible says. That is not the type of reforming that we are talking about. It's about making the word of God more accessible to everyone. Removing the barriers. Our missions team is doing this. They have purchased Bibles in in Portuguese and also in Spanish to be able to hand out so that it can be given to people in their common language so that nobody has a barrier to understanding God. To make the word of God more accessible to everyone, we must show the kind of love that Jesus showed us. Jesus' own love and teaching deepen and transform these commandments found in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. The command to loving one's neighbor wasn't new. The newness was found in loving one another as Jesus loved his disciples and showed love to all. But once again, we set up barriers to loving our neighbors. Perhaps someone doesn't dress the way we think they should. Maybe they say and do things that we don't approve of. Perhaps we don't want to get involved in their messy lives. After all, they created their mess in the first place. Sounds kind of like the traveler in the parable. But Jesus says to love even our enemies. But love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. This won't make you children of God. This will show that you are children of God. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. This is not the same kind of love that we show to our families and friends. Loving your enemies, it's, it's not the love that you show your spouse or your children. The Greek word used here for love is agapon, which is the verb form of agape love, which we've all heard about. It's a feeling of benevolence towards someone. It means that no matter what somebody says or does to us, we must never allow ourselves to want anything other than the best for that person. We must be deliberate, deliberate in being kind and in being good to that person. It's a love that we must will ourselves to do. And it only happens by the grace of Christ. It's a radical kind of love that breaks down all barriers because Jesus died for those people too. Now, there's another barrier that we set up that can prevent us from loving our neighbor, but we often don't realize it. The lawyer replied, and your neighbor as yourself. What if one of those barriers to loving our neighbor is that we don't love ourselves? 
I don't mean vain, arrogant, selfish kind of love. I mean the kind of love that God has for us. To know that we are worthy of love, to feel the value that we have in God's eyes. When you look in the mirror, do you see God's love? Do you see that joy and that wonderful feeling? Unfortunately, many of us only see value or worth in ourselves based on what others say or think about us. Perhaps we only see our value in the dollars that we make or how talented or successful we are. You know, social media has also skewed how we see ourselves and others. What we see online is a quick snapshot of someone else, the selfie. But that's not a 100% accurate look at that person's life. What we see or read isn't always what's really there. While we do post online sometimes to ask for prayers for difficult situations, most posts are about awesome things that are going on. Great vacation photos like the Harknesses just had. It was fabulous, good photos. <gasps> Amazing photos of kids, like the one you just saw of Amelia a minute ago, or of grandkids. I know Judy has been posting some great stuff about Tess's baby. Wow, seeing those pictures are so joyful and so wonderful. For those of you that don't use social media, consider how you behave if you go to someone else's house or if someone else comes to your house. Or maybe, how did you behave when you first started dating someone? You're on your best behavior. You take great care in how you look. You make sure to say the right things at the right time. In these times and on social media, we often only see the best side of people. Recently though, we've also seen a lot of hate especially when it comes to politics, racial inequality, to vaccinate or not, to mask or not. But why is hate there? Are we hating on others just to make ourselves feel better? Is it a warped sense of value in ourselves or love for ourselves that puts up the barrier to loving someone else that may not feel, believe, see, act, think, dress, look like we do? Do we not yet understand or feel the love of God? We need to love ourselves as God loves us, not as the world loves us. When I was writing this, a song came to my mind. It's a song called He Knows My Name. Um, it's sung by Francesca Battistelli. And the words are, spent today in a conversation in a mirror face to face with somebody less than perfect. I wouldn't choose me first if I was looking for a champion. In fact, I'd understand if you picked everyone before me. But that's not just my story. True to who you are, you saw my heart and made something out of nothing. I don't need my name in lights. I'm famous in my father's eyes. Make no mistake, he knows my name. I'm not living for applause. I'm already so adored. It's all his stage. He knows my name. In order to give love 
to others, we need to know love and experience love ourselves. One cannot love if they haven't received or experienced love. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. We must receive the love of God. Only then can we show love, compassion, and mercy the way the Samaritan did. The way Jesus demonstrates throughout his ministry. The way we are called to live and love. They will know we are Christians, followers of Christ, by our love. A love unlike any other. A love that breaks barriers. Are you ready to break down and break through the barriers that are keeping you from loving yourself, loving your neighbor, and ultimately, wholly loving God? Amen?